You are listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. Though located in the heart of the Silicon Valley, you will hear fervent, old-fashioned revival preaching from the pulpit of North Valley Baptist Church. It is our desire that you will be helped by this gospel message. Let's make a motion on the floor that you just all come and join our church this Sunday. We want you to stay. Can you imagine what that'd be like if one church in America had all of you people? See, I really believe, I believe the hope's not in my generation. I think the hope's in your generation. There's very few left in my generation. You know, I had all these heroes. I have all these letters from Brother Roloff and Lee Robertson, Tom Malone, Jack Hiles, and, and, uh, and from... Uh, the great preachers of yesteryear, a whole, a whole file of them. I've thrown almost everything away, but I've kept those letters. I've kept the letters from all my grandkids and my wife and, and, uh, and from our family. But I want you to know that uh, most of the, all the fellows that I look to are all gone. But I, I, I think we're in good shape. We've got some young men that are raising up. You say, well, aren't you embarrassed being an independent fundamental Baptist, you young preachers, listen, it's just the opposite. As I see what's happening, I am more wanting to identify as an independent, separated, premillennial, King James Version, separated Baptist preacher. I, I'm glad I'm an independent. If, if you say, well, I'm trying to figure it out if I'm a contemporary, or, uh, you better flee to what's going to, uh, what has some heritage and what's going to endure in these last days. We need your churches. Young people, don't go home and fight your pastor. If he says, hey, let's all sit up front, then sit up front. Life is not that difficult. But when we rebel all the time, you know, if a police officer pulls me over and I really wasn't speeding, I was just speeding but going with the, the flow of traffic, and he gives me a ticket, I'm not going to debate with them because they have missed so many opportunities to give me tickets. I was driving uh, two weeks ago. I, was, I, I flew into Spokane and then got a car. Gave me a, a car at the rental place, 54 miles on it. It was brand new. It was one of those little RAV4 things. Pretty cool car, nice car. And I was driving through the National Forest over into Montana. So I went from uh, Washington to Idaho into uh, Montana. I was going to be preaching there the next two days. And uh, we had a big conference there. It was exciting. And the, when you hit Montana, the speed limit is 80 miles an hour. And so I, I hit the cruise control. I was on the, in the, the forest there, big four lane. You might know where I'm at, way up northern uh, Idaho. And I hit the cruise control for 80 miles an hour, and it was raining. And the road got a little bumpy, and I was hanging on like this. I thought, wow, this car doesn't do very well at 80. And I was just, just shaking on it. And I looked down. I hit something that kept graduating it. I was going 100 miles an hour. And so I shut her down right away. But I, I think of the times I missed having tickets. So I'm, I'm, you know, don't debate things in life. I mean, not talking about not standing, but with your pastor say, hey, let's say, then crank it up. Let's all take an instrument. Then go find out how to take an instrument. The man is trying to help you. His wife's trying to help you. I want to try to help us today. Wasn't all week, every message, just Brother Swanson home runs. I'll tell you, both of them, and Brother Stroud, Brother Cooper, 
and Brother Cooper's in Georgia pre preaching today, and uh, Brother Stroud left. I told you last night he's on his way now to uh, Ohio to preach tonight. He's thrown, flown through the night. Brother, Brother Brown uh, flew through the night. But uh, last night was, I watched my wife. It was almost nauseous. I think every, every leader is shaking it. Most of you kids, it was just nauseous. But it was reality. That's where we are. And I'm so thankful for the message, trying to preserve your life. I said to Mrs. Ms. Trevor said to me yesterday, he said, now who's preaching tomorrow morning? I said, well, Brother Flood asked me to preach. And here's what she said, don't falter yet, don't boo her or anything. She said, well, you don't need to be long. Where's that boisterous woman right there? Uh, <laughs> you know, pointing to the other guy, the other person. Uh, she goes, you don't need to be long. And what she said was profound. They've heard it all. Or Brother Swanson, Brother Cooper, Brother Stroud, Brother Brown, they've heard it all. Now they, 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 have an, they, they need to decide. Just need to decide. I mean, one or all of those messages, all of them had something for us all. But you just need to decide. Am I going to do it or not? So I'm not coming to you with a message like been preached. I want to come to something directly to you that everything that's been preached is going to be nothing if you don't get this thing straight, what we're going to talk about today briefly. Just, I, I don't need to be brief. As Brother Swanson says, I'll just take two or three hours um, to get this off my heart. And again, I, I'm not, you, I'm not upset with you young people. You're so much, you're, you're better Christians than I was at your age. I love church. I love Sunday school, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday. I loved our pastor. I love church. But Monday through Friday, when I was in my public school, I was upset that I had to be a Christian. But on the weekends and on Wednesday night, I was so glad I was a Christian. You know, I, I battled that thing. When, when I would get on the bus in the morning to go to school, you'd walk down to the elementary school there, and you'd get on a bus to go to high school. In the 60s, basically, in our school, everybody smoked. And, and every teenager, every girl reaching her purse and be at the bus stop in the morning smoking. And, and Every young man would reach in his pocket or coat pocket and pull his cigarettes and smoke. And then the bus would come and you'd stomp out your cigarette, get on the bus. Everybody smelled like smoke breath. And, and, in, and at, at school, in the restrooms, you go on a, a, a break or you go to lunch. And they're not supposed to smoke, but at all the bathrooms, the smoke was coming out. And then they'd say, somebody would all stand there, hey, teacher coming. And you put the smoke out, you know, and it, it, it just go on like you weren't smoking. It just smelled like a chimney, you know. And I wanted to smoke so bad. I'd get frustrated. Why, why did I have to be born in a Christian home? I, I didn't want to be a drunk. I just wanted to taste it. I didn't want to be a, a, a chain smoker. I just wanted to taste it. But you know, in my life, when I was in sixth grade, Sunday morning on Porter Avenue in Fremont, I was delivering newspapers about six in the morning. My cousin and I, I was in sixth grade, he was in third, we were delivering papers, and I found that pack of cigarettes in the gutter, brand new. 
And on that day, I was so tempted. And there's other times I was tempted to smoke. And I said, I'm not making a decision because I love the Lord. I love my mother. And I love my dad. And I said, you know, on this day, I'm making a decision. I'll never smoke or drink liquor in my life. I'm glad I made that decision. You know, Brother Swanson, I, was, I told that illustration probably 30 years ago. I didn't tell the street. A man in my church who was a member got saved and baptized. He said, I'll tell you where that was. And he told me the exact location. And there's a, 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 a grit in the road where the water goes. That's where you found it, right? It, it was. He said, I lived around the corner. And several times a week, I'd get to that corner. On my way home, I'd throw my cigarettes away. So I'm going to stop today. And now you're my pastor. Those were my cigarettes. You know, I'm so very grateful that God kept me from some things. I want you to have the best life. One day I'd like to look down from heaven if the Lord tarries and you're alive. I'd like to look down and say, they're, they're, they're pastoring. They're a youth pastor. They're a Christian leader in their church. They're a layman. They're a businessman. Love and life. There's a formula that you're going to need to take in your life as we leave here today. You can have all the rules and regulations, but, but there needs to be a performance in another area. I want to speak to you on that. If you'll turn in your Bibles to the book of Philippians today, briefly. As you turn to Philippians, a few days ago when Brother Brown told you and you heard and you saw the testimonies and the statistics that those young people that he showed on these screens were saying, I'm depressed. Well, when was the last time you're depressed? I'm always depressed. And I heard those kids that should be at the happiest time of their life, I'm depressed. And you heard one right after, I'm depressed, I'm discouraged, I'm sad, I'm lonely. Several of them said, I'm just lonely. I don't have any friends. I don't enjoy life. And I heard all that, and it's real. But there's a problem with each and every one of those things. Those hurts are real. Some have been hurt by their dad, their mother, their siblings, their friends. They've been hurt by a lot, and they're real hurts. But you cannot spend your life and hinge your life from your hurts. Your hurts need to be used to help someone else on the journey of life. And when you help someone else on the journey of life, you always help yourself. We are wrapped up in this generation with our selfie. It's all about me. Go to the mall. It's all about your generation. There was an article out a few years ago that said, we don't go for the parents, we don't go for the moms and dads, we don't go for the grandparents. Our, our displays in the mall are all attractive for teenagers, for young people. I want you to know today, if you're not careful, you'll wrap yourself up in your loneliness and you'll wrap yourself up in your hurt and you'll wrap yourself up in your discouragement and so then you'll find something that you think is going to help you with your discouragement. 
it will be drugs, it will be immorality, it will be pornography, because I need something to help me. And most of the time, it winds up in sorrow. In fact, all the time it does. Last year, one million teenagers OD'd. One million leading cause of death for teenagers is suicide. What's the problem? Well, they've been hurt. Yes. Yes, they've been hurt. But you cannot hinge your life from your hurt. My Bible is written from here in the book of Philippians. A man by the name of Paul, he gives us from his jail cell. He's been lowered in the ground. It's damp down there, 15 feet down. It's cold. In fact, he said, send my cloak. I'm cold down here. They lowered him down 15 feet. And he writes 104 verses. And 104 verses, he says 18 times to joy or rejoice. But isn't it amazing, 104 verses? 104 times he says, Jesus, God, Father, Lord, in those 104 verses. For to me, he said in that book, is for to me to live is Christ, that I may know him. And yes, you're going to have to attach yourself to Christ, but there's one more step I want you to see. No, don't wrap yourself up in your heartache and your disappointment and your loneliness. No friends. I, who can I find as a friend? Look what the Bible says in the book of Ephesians, uh, book of Philippians, in Philippians chapter 2. The Bible says, verse number three, let nothing be done through strife or vainglory, but in lowliness of mind, let each esteem, what's that next word? Other better than themselves. Verse number four, let's read it with emphasis on the last word. Verse number four, ready, begin. Look not every man on his own things. Others. If, if you live for yourself, you will be depressed. When I was in elementary school, and we sang it, we sing it in our elementary school now, Jesus and others and you. What a wonderful way to spell Jesus and others and you in the life of each girl and each boy. J is for Jesus, for he has first place. O is for others we meet place to place. Y is for you, and whatever you do, put yourself last and spell joy. That's the way you spell joy. What we do, we take the Y and put it at the top, and we put the J at the bottom. You'll be depressed every time. You'll never have victory over loneliness. I would dare say that most of you do not have a best friend because there's not one around. Even in your good youth group, say, well, I, I, I like that person. They're my friends. We're my friends with the whole group. But I don't have, I feel so lonely. That's part of life. I can't tell you how many parents, even our own church says, my, my son, my daughter, they just need a good friend. I said, you know who you are? Their best friend I'll beat mom and dad. That's why I did not make some of the foolish decisions I wanted to make because I had a mom and a dad. I, the, the best friend I have, and he might be listening, he's in prison tonight. He was a preacher, and he'll spend his life in prison, and it hurts me. But I'm going to tell you something, friend. You don't go looking for friends. You go out and be a friend. I went out to find a friend and could not find one there. I went out to be a friend and found them everywhere. You know, there's a little sweet widow lady in your church 
Why don't you say she's an other? I can mow her lawn. I can sweep her sidewalk, amen. I can do something for her. I can wash your car without getting paid. I can, I'm not gonna take advantage. I wanna just serve that widow lady. There's a, a widower, a man. I can help that man. Uh, there is a single person. There's somebody, there's a new kid in your youth group that's from an awful, why don't you just go be a friend? The whole truth of what Paul is writing here, he says, don't get wrapped up in yourself. Workers, the last two days, I talked to you about training. And you know what every one of us ought to do? We ought to go home and train somebody. You know what you kids ought to do? Go home and train your parents. Go home and train your parents. Train up a parent in the way they should go. Train, you say, well, it's all about training your children. I know it's about training your children, but you train your parents. My mother and dad sat right there. My dad was a German, sweetest man you've ever met. Everybody loved my dad. And, uh, but, but, but my dad was, uh, in his generation, my father-in-law, Swedish, his generation, they couldn't tell you they loved you. My dad in college would write me every week, and the last thing he'd say, love you. L love dad, love dad. But he couldn't say it. I, I, I was taught in 1977, why don't you go home to your church and tell your people you love them? and stop trying to get out of your people, but rather put into your people. And since 1977, every Sunday night, I've told these people I love them. Now all of a sudden, in the journey, several years ago, I got older. I can't let them go a service. I can't let them leave on Sunday morning or Sunday night or Wednesday night without telling them I love them, because I love them. My dad, I'd say to my dad, Dad, I love you. Thank you, son. Say it back to me, you know. I love, now mothers, mothers can say that. But I'd say to my dad, dad, I'm so thankful I'm your son. I love you so much. Thank you. And after about 10 years, I pastored him for 33 years. After 10 years, one day he said, son, I love you. It blew me out of the water. My dad was dying and I was going to get down there. And I did get down there to be with him. About 200 miles away in Santa Maria. The last words he spoke, I have it on my cell phone. My sister, who's since passed away since then as well, had him say, say, say something to Jack. Here's his last words. I love you, son. I love you, son. You know how he learned that, Miss Courtney? He learned it because I taught him. I wonder if you could teach your mom. Your mom thinks she's not a good mother. I wonder if you could say, Mom, I'm so, go, go home. Mom, I'm so, I'm so grateful you're my mom. My mother swears at me. Yeah, but she gave you life. You're here because of her. My mother's a drug addict. Well, we've had that here too. I think of a preacher in Illinois. He's been a pastor for about 25 years who grew up on our buses, who, who never knew a home without drugs and without needles in the arms and never knew a father. He died right before he was born. Never knew all that stuff. But that boy came back after he got saved on the bus. He made a decision. I never knew this till the day he got married. He, got, he made a decision. I'm never going to kiss a girl till it's the girl I married. I, don't, I never know if I even preached that. I'm sure I have. But, but he made that decision. And that day he got married 
married and he's got a daughter that's getting ready to get married this month. I think it is this month. Hey, wait a minute. Let me tell you something. That boy learned to love his mother and express it to his mother. I'm not saying you express love to your mother so she'll do something for you. I need a cell phone. Mom, I love you. I love you. Women do that to their husbands. Oh, you're the best husband. I'm thinking, what does she want now? I'm talking about the fact others, can't you go love your mother? I had a mother for a long time until she was 91. Every day I look at that mother and that father's picture. I miss my parents so much. They were such good people. Just such good people. My mother loved me so much. Years ago, they made a bobblehead. You know those things that and they put my head on there. I thought it was the coolest thing. And they, they gave them away and they sold them. And man, they were great. And, and I, my mother saw that. Whoo! She said, who made this? I said, yeah, it's cool. She goes, no, I don't like it. You have more hair than that. <laughs> my goodness, mother, I tell you, I miss, I, I, I could preach a terrible message. And she said, oh, it's great. Thank God for mothers that are liars. <laughs> Could you go home and love your mom? Mom, I just love you so. I mean, can you look at her in the eyes? I love you so much. Could you write her a note? It's a strange thing. And many of you know what I'm talking about because you've already experienced as a young person. It's a strange feeling in May. Still, my mother's been gone six years. It's a stretch, seven years. It's a strange feeling at Mother's Day to see the Mother's Day card and think, I'll never buy one again. There's no mother in our life. My mother-in-law has been gone over 50 years. Your mom. My, my, my stepmother-in-law has been gone for years. My mother's been gone. Dad's been gone. Father-in-law's been gone. I don't buy Father's Day cards for my, they're gone. Friend, your, your, your mother, you, you don't know how to, uh, uh, in all the years, 46, almost 47 years, Mr. Treatment, we've only missed one, one holiday season. We've been here for every Christmas, every New Year's, every Valentine's, every Mother's Day, every Father's Day. We have not left this church one time on a holiday. But two years ago on Thanksgiving service, we were going to go see our grandkids in Southern California. And a 50-year-old, 8-year-old man that I, I was at his wedding, I, 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 and he's got grown kids now. 58 sat right back here was in the Thanksgiving service. It wasn't feeling well. And he sat right there and he passed away right there while I was gone. We had his funeral. But Carl was such a good young man. I didn't realize that I'd be saying goodbye to him. I want you to know, young people, you don't, you, you, many of you will not have a mother a year from now. I have pastored people that I can remember the day I, day I announced at our church, my dad has cancer. He was a deacon, and another man had cancer, and my dad went on to recover from it and live through cancer. But the other deacon, I announced it on Wednesday night by Sunday morning now saying he died. If you've got a mother, you better love your mother while you have her. Stop hassling her. Life is not about you. Life is about your mother. Life is, if, if God's giving you a dad, life's about your dad. And I know 50% of all teenagers don't have a dad in the home. And you can hinge from that. It's terrible. I don't have a dad. I don't have this. I don't have that. 
Ms. Traber gave her testimony in our class. I mentioned the other day to the workers in our class Sunday how that when her mother died, and there was eight kids, she was 45. She had played the piano at church, and for the next two months, she got bitter at God. And I don't blame her for that. You'd have to know her. She's the most wonderful lady I've ever met in my life. There's no one like Mrs. Treber. She's so amazing. She's so enjoyable to live with. See, I just love her. We pray together every night. We pray for needs. We were praying last night here. And you know, some nights I get so, so tired. I can fall asleep in a heartbeat. 30 seconds I can be asleep. And I sleep 10 minutes and I wake up. And so many times at night I'm praying with her and all of a sudden I, I, I hear her in bed and she'll start <laughs> and, and the bed is being shaken. And I said, did I fall asleep? She goes, yeah, you were somewhere over here and that's when you fell asleep. It's, it's crazy, Brother Davis. I, I, but but, but I, I love being married to her. I want you to know, young people, life's not about you. Life's about others. Train up your parent. A good wife will train her husband. On my wife's first, first birthday when we were married, I bought her a pole lamp just like my mother had. You don't do that, fellas. You don't, you don't buy your wife a dress. My mother had this same dress. Yeah, it was in style 40 years ago. And I'll never forget it. You're going to falter for this. And I, her reaction, I had worked hard on it, went to Standard Furniture. I bought this lamp almost 50 years ago. It was so amazing. It just, I said, and she opened it up, big old box. I said, just like my mother's, maple. Oh, brother, I was out of style then. And later I said, you know, it just it doesn't seem like it. She goes, honey, normally a light lady would like a personal gift. She said, well, that was wrong of her. Oh, no. She was training up a husband. I was able to do it right the last 49 years. She has every right to train me what she likes. You train up a father. You train up a mother. You train up a husband. You train up a wife. 1 Peter 3, 7 says that you should know your wife. Make a science out of her. Study her wants. Study her likes. Study the things she doesn't like. Do what she wants to do. Train up a wife. You train up your children. You train up a pastor. The Bible says, 1 Thessalonians 5, that, that to know them, encourage them that are over you in the Lord and esteem them very highly in love for their work's sake. You ought to go home and love your pastor. I know you love your pastor, but I'll tell you, Mr. Treber and I, with our kids, we are the most loved pastor and pastor's wife in America. They're kind to us. They act like they want to be with us. You, good night. Miss Treber looks young, but I sure don't look young. But these kids make it like I'm something special to them. You know what they're doing? They're knowing their pastor. They're encouraging the word no to encourage your pastor. Go encourage your pastor. When he's preaching away, oh, bless, bless God. The word of God says, and we're down there. I know how it feels. I've sat where you sat and where you're sitting. Train up a parent. Train up a mother. Train up a dad. Look what the word says. Others. Train up a sibling. Some of you ought to go home and just love your little brother. How to go home and love your little sister. Be good to them. You have a driver's license and, 
And maybe, maybe you could take that little eight-year-old brother and say, let's go get an ice cream together. Mom, you got any money? Come on. <laughs> Life is all about others. You can have all the convictions you want, but if you live for yourself, you're going to destroy yourself. We live in a selfie day. If I had time, and I don't want to take much more time, James 1.27, pure religion. And the undefiled before God and the Father is this, to visit the fatherless. The fatherless. That's why maybe it'd be good to get on a bus route. Visit the fatherless and the widows in their affliction. Life is about living for somebody else. Life is not about you, young people. I'm not happy. Happiness is always stumbled upon along the pathway of duty. You do what you're supposed to do. You love people. You're kind to people. You go into a store and you're nice to people. You're kind to people. I, I love it when people will respond back to me and say, you've been very nice to me. I, I don't think the average you buy a cup of coffee and folks are still on their phone doing things that we're not nice to people. We're not kind to people. And Paul knows his head's going to soon be cut off his body. The time of my departure is at hand. And he said, look, I want to just leave you with this. I'm not coming back to see you. You're not going to see my face any longer, Acts chapter 20. You're not going to see me. I'm going to be arrested. I'm going to be tried. I don't know what's going to befall me there, bonds, imprisonment. I know it's over. I'm not coming back to see you. But I wanted you to know this, that as you live your life, live for others. That song in our song books, 457, we won't sing it. Others, Lord, yes, others. Let this my motto be, help me to live for others that I might live for thee. William Booth founded the, founded the Salvation Army, and I know it's changed from its route, but he was a preacher. His wife was a good, uh, good speaker, and she could actually preach, but uh, I'm not suggesting we do that. But they said, we're going to dedicate our lives to helping poor people. And that's how Salvation Army started in the 1800s. Just helping people. Caring for people. She, uh, she, she would go up to drunks on the street and say, you need to get saved. You're a drunk. And she was very bold in her attack and her presentation of the gospel. She lived her life for others. If you could look at, they had eight kids, what they left. They left their kids nothing. They didn't have any money. They gave it all away. But they left them a heritage that mom and dad lived for others. You know where discouragement begins? It begins in the head. Remember in chapter 17 in 1 Samuel, David killed Goliath. He was a what? what, what, what he was a child of God. Who was he trying to defeat? What, what people? The Philistines. And in chapter 27, three years later, 10 chapters later, in chapter 27, verse 1, and David said in his heart, there is nothing better for me to do that I shall speedily escape to the land of the Philistines. He went three years later in a moment of depression and joined the Philistines and became a soldier in their army who he had defeated. Where did the depression begin? 
He said in his heart, your heart is one-third part of your brain. Our brain is about two or three pounds. It looks like a walnut on the outside. And in the brain, one portion is your heart. That's the real you. And David got so depressed, he said in his heart, it starts in your head. And then he said, there's nothing better for me to do that I should speak. It goes to your mouth. Say, I don't know why I said that. Oh, I do. For as a man thinketh in his heart, so is he. The words come out. I don't know why I called my brother a stupid idiot. Because you already thought it. What we put in here, this computer is going to come out here. And so David thought wrong. He spoke wrong. And that he did wrong. He went and joined them. By the way, the next verse, verse 2, he took 600 men with him. You always affect. When this goes wrong and this goes wrong and this goes wrong, you affect other people. That's why Paul says, stop thinking about yourself. Others, Lord. Yes, others. Let this my motto be. Help me to live for others that I might live for thee. You've had powerful preaching. And I just wanted to sort of finish it off today without really preaching. But if you don't die to self, get up tomorrow morning and say, die to self. You know what's going to happen? One of the preachers said this 25 years ago at this conference. You're going to get on the bus on the way home. And you're going to be tired. It's going to be hot. And you're going to try to sleep. And some clown in the back is going to throw a pillow and hit you in the head and wake you up. And you're going to get so mad You'll want to go to blows. You'll want to fight. And you're going to lose everything you just got this week. You know what that is? Because you were offended. You were bothered. When I get bothered, it's always because Jack is too proud. You ever think of that word pride? What's the middle letter in pride? What's the, the I? You ever think of the word sin? What's the middle letter? I. It's not about you, young people. It's not about me. It's about how can I help my dad? How can I help my mother? How can I take the garbage out without even being told? They just see it. How can I help my little brother? How can I help my little sister? How can I help my brothers off to Bible college this fall? Write them a letter. How can I help my sister off to Bible college? How can I help that, that, that suffering person in our church? How can I help that unsaved person? How can I be kind to someone else? How, how can I live for others? Young people, if we don't get this thing right, you'll live a discouraged life. It's not about me. Say that together. It's not about me. Say it together. It's about, it's about, it's about. So we sing that little song, Brother Swanson. You've sung it a thousand times probably with your wife and with kids. Jesus and others and you, what a wonderful way to spell joy. Jesus and others and you, in the life of each girl and each boy. J is for, for he has first place. O is for, we meet face to face. Y is for, and whatever you do, put yourself last and spell joy. Let's go home and die to self. Just forget about yourself. Our youth groups, thanks. Well, then just forget about yourself and serve your youth group. Well, our choir doesn't have very many people in it right now. Well, then join the choir. 
It's not about you. It's about others. Our Father, today I thank you for these young people. And I thank you for this thought of just others. God, may we not live for ourselves. Help me lose my life and find it, Lord, in thee. May I myself be slain, my friends see only thee. Though it cost me grief and pain, I will find my life again. If I lose my life, I'll find it, Lord, in thee. I, I, I know, like you do, what it's like to be lonely. Everybody does. Even I'm a pastor of a great church. Sometimes I feel so alone. I'll walk in the cemetery. I go up on the salt flats, ride my bike up there alone. I say, Lord, I just feel so alone in life. Well, I do feel that way at times. That's because I've dethroned God. I've lifted myself up. He must increase. John 3.30, I must decrease. It's all about Him, that I may know Him. When I know Him, I'll serve others. I don't know, maybe we don't need an invitation. But if God is speaking to one person, about going home and just living for others. Just one person. I, I don't need to swell this in. The, the aisles have been so packed. Maybe you've made all the decisions you need to make. But as a pastor, I want to live for my people. I love them so much. I wish I had many more years to just love them and care for them. They're such good people. I love these people. I love our youth group. I love the children. I love the old folks. I, I love the backslidden. I love those people. If you say, I'll go home, and don't, don't come because somebody else is coming. But I, I'm going to die to myself today. On June the 23rd, 2022, it's going to be all about others. It's all about others. Please don't everybody come. But if God has spoken to you, would you come and make that final decision today? I'm going to live for others. Thank you for listening to the audio preaching podcast from North Valley Baptist Church in Santa Clara, California, led by Pastor Jack Treber. For more information about our ministry or to find out how to get in contact with us, visit our website at nvbc.org. May God bless you as you serve Him this week.